Thanks for listening to Star Lores. If you like the show, please consider subscribing and giving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also help us make more great content by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com. We would also love to hear from you on social media. You can follow Star Lores on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you. You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? in the Toshi station to pick up some power converters. I got a bad feeling about this. Han Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Pilot, rogue, smuggler, rebel, and father. As a hero, Han Solo is a fan-favorite character of the Star Wars universe. Regardless of what you might thought of Disney's Han Solo movie, we'll be talking about a different Han, a legendary Han. This is a story of Han Solo before Disney. Han Solo was a male human born on the planet Corellia 29 years before the Battle of Yavin 4. He was orphaned at an early age and later adopted by the abusive pirate Garrus Shrike. Garrus trained orphans in scams and thievery, and funneled their earnings into his own pockets. He was found by the violent and temperamental pirate in a spaceport, stationed aboard Garrus's ship, Trader's Luck, in orbit over Corellia. Hanran missions earned his keep by begging and pickpocketing. While under Garrus' care, Han met and befriended an old female Wookiee named Dawalana Mapai, or Dulana for short. Dulana served as a cook aboard the Trader's Luck and became a surrogate mother to Han. This was how Solo learned to understand the Wookiee language of Sheerwook. Dulana further fostered Han's education by teaching him mathematics, physics, and history, and encouraging his extracurricular reading. The only education Shrike provided his adopted children was basic elementary curriculum from the ship's computer. During one of Shrike's many cons, Han received some schooling while working undercover. During one such mission, young Han met the Karelian senator Garmbel Ibis, this encounter left an impression on the senator, who recalled meeting the young Han years later. When Han was nine during the Clone Wars, he met and befriended Bay, a human-Nagai hybrid. Bay was as tall as a Wookiee at 17 years old and used his size to intimidate others. He adopted Han as a little brother and often looked out for him. When they first met, Bay saved Han from being ganged up on by street youths on Corellia. Bay taught Han how to fight and the young Solo looked up to his adoptive older brother. Solo executed his escape from Shrike as a teenager, and was driven to discover who his parents were and learn about his family history. Until this point, Han had not even known his surname, 
as Garastrike kept everything he knew about Han a secret to better manipulate the boy. When he joined the Corellian security force, Han lost contact with Bay. Severe injuries forced him into early retirement. Thereafter, he became listless and began to wander the galaxy. As he grew older, he learned new skills and was a part of numerous scams to participate in the dangerous and underground swoop racing circuit. Eventually, Han discovered he was a descendant from the famous family line on Corellia, the Solos. Notable Solos included the Corellian king Barathron, Solo, who introduced democracy to Corellia during the golden age of the Old Republic. Han's living relatives included his aunt Tion Sal Solo, who became a recluse and suffered from bouts of uncontrollable weeping. Tion's son, Han's cousin, Thraken Sal Solo, was a violent bully who exhibited traits of conduct disorder. Thraken physically and verbally abused the younger, smaller Han. Eventually, he could not tolerate the abuse and struck back at Thraken, forcing him to reveal everything he knew about the Solo family history. Thraken gained the upper hand and turned Han back over to Garrus Shrike. This would not be the last time the cousins met. I sentence you to death, Solo. May you rot in all the hells there ever were. Garrus Shrike. Han was forced to run many dangerous missions throughout the galaxy for Shrike. He was present during the Battle of Kashyyyk during the Clone Wars. During an undercover mission, Han infiltrated a notorious pirate group led by the brigands Limo and Sanda. Solo engaged in professional swoop racing, and during a race caused future bounty hunter Dangar to crash. The accident permanently maimed, disfigured, and disabled the upstart swoop pilot. Han Solo was arrested for cheating in a card game and sentenced to fight in, as a gladiator on a penal colony on Jubilar, regional sector number four's all-human free-for-all. Solo battled three larger human gladiators and won in unarmed combat, though not without having several bones broken. Han noted a Mandalorian armor-clad bounty hunter in the audience. This was the first time Han saw the notorious bounty hunter, who would haunt him for years to come. In 10 BBY, Solo had decided again to flee the traitor's luck in order to strike out on his own. He stowed away aboard an automated freighter, the Elysian Dream, and traveled to the planet Elysia in response to an advertisement for work for the priests that lived there. As he said his goodbyes to Dilana, Shrike sent armed thugs to stop Han from leaving. Dulana sacrificed herself to permit Han the opportunity to escape, successfully stowing away aboard the Elysian Dream. Arriving on Elysia, Solo adopted the pseudonym Vic Drago and applied to be the pilot of the Elysian Dream. The Dream was previously a drone ship and was prone to attacks by pirates and raiders. He was assigned a bodyguard by the name of Merg, a Togorian who also served the function of keeping Han in line. Han eventually befriended Merg and started a romantic relationship with an Elysian pilgrim from Corellia named Bria Theron. The Elysian high priest employed Han, who soon uncovered a plot used by the priests as slave traffickers. They used the religious pilgrims who came to the world as slaves in the production and mining of the spice glitter stim. To his horror, Han had been employed as a sentient trafficker. Han left the world with Merg, Bria, and Marav, Merg's fiancé, 
after the discovery of the slave operations and the facade of Bria's religion. Before uncovering the trafficking scheme, Brio is slated to be married to Gennar Toss, the major domo of the high priest. In their escape, Han and Bria stole a treasure and killed the hut boss of Elysian's smuggling ring by causing a ceiling to collapse on him. This earned Han the enmity of the hut's family, who sent bounty hunters after him. However, they only knew Han by his alias, Vic Drago. Han and his friends stole a ship called Talisman and escaped Elysia. Aboard this ship, he revealed his true identity to his friends. Han and Bria went to Merg and Marav's homeworld of Togoria to drop them off. The Togorians invited the couple to stay for their nuptial celebration. Han and Bria spent several days on the world and with each other. Bria used this rare period of leisure to teach Han how to swim. Despite the two falling deeper in love, Bria still felt the residual effects from her addiction to the psychological addictive process called exaltation, a remainder of her past involvement in the Elysian cult. This method was used as a behavioral control mechanism by the Elysian priests. Bria suffered withdrawals, panic attacks, and crying fits, and struggled with the loss of her religious identity. Han and Bria went back to Corellia to reunite Bria with her parents, stopping briefly on the planet Talus, where they sold the talisman. They accepted far less than market value as it was being searched for by the angered huts. Han and Bria posed as a married couple and booked themselves passage to Corellia, where they met Bria's family. Her father was grateful to Han for saving her from the cult, but her brother and mother did not trust him. Here, Solo's criminal past re-emerged, and Bria thought it best that she and Han leave the Corellian system. The reason for her flightiness was that Han was wanted by both his former criminal employers and the Corellian security forces. Under these circumstances, she did not trust her family to keep Han safe. Before leaving Corellia, Han sold the treasures they had stolen from the high priest on Elysia. Using Bria's father's influence and wealth, Han was able to adopt a new identity and enroll in the Imperial Academy on Coruscant. Under the new pseudonym Genos Idanian, Han and Bria arrived on Coruscant to enlist in the Imperial Navy. Han attempted to withdraw the credits under his alias, but the account was blocked by Corellian security forces, who identified it as a fraudulent account and were now looking for the fugitive. Forced into the lower levels of Coruscant, Bria had decided to leave Han as she felt her addiction and dependence on Han was preventing him from moving forward with his life. Han submitted his application to the Imperial Academy with the help of a referral from Bria's father on Corellia. He used his pseudonym, complete with fake retinal patterns, to hide his criminal record. After Bria's departure, Han took the entrance exams and was admitted into a two-year flight program on Corita. Solo was an unorthodox applicant, taking alternative routes on his flight test, 
which helped him to achieve the fastest score. During his flight, he executed a risky maneuver, threading the needle through the Arch of Triumph rather than following the standard parade routes. Han did poorly on cultural and mathematics scores, but did well in piloting and technical skills. While preparing to leave Karita, Han had one last confrontation with Garrus Shrike, who recognized Han's alter ego, Vic Drago. A third bounty hunter, hired by the Huts, intervened and killed Shrike, and was in turn dispatched by a blaster bolt to the face from Han. Solo left all of his identification and clothing as Vic Drago on the corpse to mislead any future hunters into believing that Vic was dead. Though heartbroken by Bria's departure, Han followed through with his studies at the Imperial Academy and made new friends, notably TIE fighter trainee Suntir Fell. The trainee went on to become an Imperial hero and fighter ace. Han also befriended Mako Spence, another skilled pilot from Corellia. Solo did well in the practical applications of piloting, but suffered in the academic department. He was often cited for behavioral issues and received demerits and an investigation into the destruction of the Academy's mascot Moon, although he was acquitted. Solo garnered mixed reviews from his instructors in the Imperial Navy. Some praised Han's piloting skills and intelligence, but others questioned his free-spirited nature as being unsuitable for military service. Despite his shortcomings, he showed great drive and improved his academic performance, managing to graduate as a lieutenant at the top of his class. Han was assigned to the commander of Petir Niklas, who was in charge of constructing the Imperial Hall of Heroes, which required the acquisition of Wookiee slaves. On one assignment, he boarded a derelict craft carrying numerous Wookiee slaves that had attempted an escape. One wounded Wookiee, named Chewbacca, was piloting the craft. Han had been ordered to skin the Wookiee who had fallen unconscious due to his wounds, but Han refused the order, sympathetic to the Wookiees due to his foster mother, Dulana. As punishment, Han and Chewbacca were forced into the continued construction of the Hall of Heroes. Chewbacca, enraged at his own captivity, cruel beatings, and ceaseless slave labor, attacked Commander Niklas. The commander pulled a blaster on the Wookiee and beat him close to death. At this, Han intervened again and shot his commanding officer with a stun blast and helped Chewbacca escape, earning Han the Wookiee's life debt. Han was court-martialed and discharged from the Imperial Navy and became wanted on the charge of treason and had a bounty placed on his head by the Empire. Han and his new sidekick Chewbacca turned to a life of smuggling in order to make credits. Disenchanted with life due to the loss of his dream of serving in the Imperial Navy, Han turned to playing the card game Sabak and drinking to console himself. He wound up on the planet Deveron, 
where he was accused of cheating at Sabak by a Barabel female named Shalimar. Barabels are large reptilian aliens known for their aggressive demeanor. The confrontation turned violent and Chewbacca engaged Shalimar. The confrontation ended when Han shot the Barabel gambler above the knee, granting them the opportunity to escape. Han did not always appreciate Chewbacca's company, but encounters like this made Han glad to have the Wookiee muscle as an ally. Solo and Chewbacca started smuggling with his old Imperial Academy friend Mako Spintz. Another burnout, and the three became partners working out of Nar Shadda. They often took contracts for Jabba and Jiliak, the Huts. Han went on many adventures and met many new people that would cycle in and out of his life. One such person was a young street urchin named Jarek, who falsely claimed to be Han's long-lost nephew. The now street-smart smuggler was not fooled, but Han was sympathetic to the boy and took him in. Solo had many romantic entanglements. One of his memorable paramours included a smuggler and mechanic named Salazend, who wanted to marry him. Not one to stick to a specific type, Solo later became romantically involved with a traveling magician named Zaviri. During their relationship, Han accompanied her as an assistant for six months. Due to his life debt, Chewbacca was honor-bound to stay at Han's side, awkward third-wheel status notwithstanding. Zaveri, like her smuggling companions, had a vendetta against the Empire, and the crew sabotaged Imperial officers and bureaucrats who attended their shows. The adventurous relationship soon ran its course, and the Corellian found himself back on Nar Shadda. It was at this time that Han met the professional 27-year-old gambler named Lando Calrissian. At the time of their introduction, Calrissian had just won a YT-1300 freighter called the Millennium Falcon while playing Sabacc. Lando sought the now-renowned pilot Han Solo on Nar Shadda to learn how to fly from him. The gambler found and saved Solo from the bounty hunter Boba Fett. This began a piloting mentorship of Solo and Calrissian. Solo envied Lando's ship and even plotted ways to acquire the vessel. Eventually, he gave up on his schemes and leased a Soro-sub Starmite called the Bria, named for his former lover, from Lando. Solo found himself in an integral role at the Battle of Nar Shadda when Imperial forces sought to crack down on the hot operations. Teaming up with Mako Spins, the two led an insurrection of smugglers and pirates that resulted in a costly space battle that ultimately repelled the Imperial invaders. Han lost his ship, the Bria, shortly after the battle when Imperial fighters shot her down. After the battle, Solo and Chewbacca were forced to work again with Mako Spins. However, their partnership would sour after he was crippled on a smuggling tryst and was forced into early retirement. After his sm failure at smuggling, Han went to Cloud City in a desperate gambling ploy in order to make some fast credits. He won in a high-stakes Sabacc tournament and beat Lando Calrissian, 
winning a large sum of credits, as well as the Millennium Falcon. With, the, with his new ship, Han and Chewbacca would go on to take work across the galaxy, distancing himself further from his former girlfriend Sala, who was insistent on marrying the young rogue. His adventures led him to reunite with former Imperial Academy classmate Jahan Cross, who now served as an Imperial agent and had diplomatic immunity for his assistance. For this service to the Empire, Jahan also earned a hefty sum of credits. Han found himself smuggling weapons to insurgents, getting into debt and paying to repair and upgrade the Millennium Falcon, at times working alongside corporate sector authority and at others running afoul of them. At one point, Solo executed a prison escape. His crew grew with the addition of two droids, Bolux and Blue Max. Han left to the corporate sector shortly after accidentally founding a new religion, the cult of Varn, on the planet Kamar. Han and Chewbacca became unintended abolitionists when they were contracted to transport sentient cargo, but did not do what their employers had in mind with the goods. This earned yet another price on their heads. By this time, the Falcon's crew was wanted by both parties and pirate slavers alike looking to collect or get revenge. Solo was forced to flee, the corporate sector having only a handful of allies left. Han and Chewbacca continued their adventures, which included running scams and joining an archaeological expedition looking for a treasure ship in the Tion hegemony in the Alula sector. For a time, the two continued to invade Imperial authorities. At one point, their luck ran out and the two were captured. They had made an escape, however, and Solo, Chewie, and the Falcon found themselves in the Outer Rim. Han and Chewbacca became mired in the underworld and ran operations against the Empire on behalf of gangsters that held Han in debt. One of these gangsters was Solima, a crime lord who owned a casino world called Hollow Moon. He encountered an old friend named Bilal Batros. Bilal was raised on trader's luck by Shrike and was also an orphan. A familiar pattern emerged by this time. Han and crew found themselves at odds with both the crime lord that had hired him and the imperial authority acting in the Theron sector. Luckily, the Falcon afforded them a quick getaway. Bilal wanted to become a permanent crew member of the Falcon, but was more trouble than he was worth. He was the cause of Hans being exiled from another galactic sector with all guns aimed at his back. Solo continued to work for Jabba the Hutt and had regular interactions with the Rebellion, though he would keep his distance from the cause caring little for politics and eschewing the risks open association would entail, he eventually swore off working for the Alliance after a number of close encounters with the Empire. Han also took a personal interest in helping Chewbacca's homeworld of Kashyyyk, which had been under Imperial occupation, resulting in the deaths and enslavement of countless Wookiees. Solo had also been burned on multiple occasions by the rebellion, souring any desire for political involvement 
and damaging his own reputation amongst other criminals and smugglers. Most notable were his interactions with the rebel operative, Bria Theron, with whom Han had a romantic relationship in the past. Solo's fortunes would again turn sour when running a spice job for Jabba the Hutt. While being boarded by the Imperial authorities, he was forced to dump an expensive shipment into the void of space to escape being caught. This put Han into severe debt with the crime lord, and having recently lost the confidence of many of his former allies in the smuggling world, limited Solo's options to recovering the money, causing him to become increasingly desperate to take jobs to recoup the costs. This would ultimately lead to him working again with the Rebel Alliance when a simple transportation gig ferrying a small band of Tatooine locals to the planet Alderaan turned into Han taking up riskier and more central roles within the ranks of the Rebellion. At first simply to get paid, but eventually leading him to embrace the cause. Before the fateful encounter, however, Solo would attempt another job rescuing the crime lord Tiber Zan from imprisonment. Around the same time, Solo also received the news of the death of his former romantic partner and rebel operative, Bria Theron. After being recruited to rescue Princess Leia Organa of the Rebel Alliance and return her to the rebel space, Solo initially sought to collect his reward money and abandon the cause. However, he was persuaded by his co-pilot, Chewbacca, to return to help the rebels as they faced down the newest Imperial galactic superweapon, the Death Star. Solo was instrumental in the destruction of the battle station, distracting the Sith Lord and Imperial Forcer, Darth Vader, long enough to allow Luke Skywalker to destroy the superweapon. the Millennial Falcon. Uh, joining me today is uh, Jordan. Hello. And Sam. Hola. And uh, we're talking about Han Solo, captain, pirate, rebel, smuggler, hero. <laughs> um, also known sometimes as Genos Idanian. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got a few names. We literally name. just did this like yeah. two minutes ago. Vic Drago. There we go. Yeah. Yes. Vic I like Drago. that name. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's Ivan his uh, Drago. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. His <laughs> USSR con- counterpart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Han Solo. Uh, so Disney. By the way, the the USSR counterpart. His name is Han Community. <laughs> Han together. <laughs> Han, we are that not is. individuals. Is <laughs> <laughs> that weak? I couldn't resist. So bad. <laughs> Um, anyways, Disney, uh, just came out with a, well, didn't just come out. I think it's been a couple of years now since Han Solo came out. 
I have yet to watch it. The film. Yes. Yeah. Solo. A so, Star Wars story. Yes. <laughs> uh, a movie no one asked for. Yeah. And... But we all got it anyway. <laughs> we got it anyways. Forced down your throat. Um, it's interesting to note how much Disney's new canon, and it was pretty evident in the Solo episode here, is lifting from the legends. Uh, particularly with Solo, um, we just talked about everything from like the Cloud Raiders incident. Uh, they even take the names and stuff of the characters uh, and they parallel it in the solo movie. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting how much of that they're, they're still retaining and just putting their own spin on. I have my own opinions on that. We probably won't delve into here. <laughs> it does make you wonder at, at the wisdom of saying, oh, you know, we're doing our new Disney canon. We're rebooting the series, except for you're not really though. Yeah. You're just... You're just stealing a bunch of stuff from from the legends. You know what, though? Disney has just got to, I don't know, like, just do a stupid time heist movie and then make Legends canon again. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) And and make it all kosher, you know? Like, tell you, do air to... (laughs) <laughs> heir to the empire with deep faked uh <laughs> with a deep faked original yeah. cast that would yeah. be amazing i'd totally watch it yeah uh but also everything from like han's uh imperial career that's definitely yeah. reflected in both former imperial smuggler and then even rebel after that and yeah. uh you know sort of orphan fun in games on corellia in yeah. his early life was it was it still corellia in uh Disney. Again, I haven't watched the movie. Oh, I don't. So. That's right. I, I watched it, it, but I it was so remember. forgettable. So forgettable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the that's <laughs> the thing about talking about that movie is I don't really have anything bad to say about it. But I but don't, you don't have anything. I don't have either. anything to say about <laughs> it really. Yeah, um, yeah. That's pretty much it for that movie. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, the other thing too is uh, one part where they really diverge, and I almost think they did it intentionally, was the origin of Solo's name. Yeah, which is a huge sticking point for this for. Uh, for the Disney movie where, you know, the name solo is that you haven't seen yet. No more about, but I've read, I've read it. I've read the plot points and the, uh, the name solo is meaningless in Disney canon. It has no ties to anything. It was an Imperial officer, literally bestowing the name on, on him. Uh, but in the old legend, solo actually has this like big lineage tied to it right it's an ancient royal house of alderaan or sorry corellia and i just found that like divergence interesting in that like i almost feel like that was intentionally to with everything that they lift yet they also like give the middle finger to other ideas of like the name means nothing you come from nothing yeah Um, which you know i'm not entirely opposed to to be honest i don't like everyone's legacy backgrounds have to be tied to something i i kind of agree like i it, like why does like han have to like is he only Be special because heir. he's like actually has this royal lineage yeah. like and this comes but, up a lot with many of the characters but he, yeah he, he yeah. doesn't have the royal lineage in the disney canon right no he doesn't no not, not yeah. so that that yeah. is a plus is that they didn't they didn't go but they did kind of retcon that part of the his yeah. backstory whereas they lifted other parts yeah so I, I see what you're saying but at the same time i didn't love his legends backstory yeah, not just, just or the, the, the whole, origin of the name. Yeah, the whole origin of the name, right? Yeah. Like every everyone's oh, you're a character in the modern time, so we have to yeah. go retcon a, a big backstory for you and your history. And yeah, family, yeah, right. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessary. But also, the thing like also hated the way Disney did it, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> also, having your name bestowed on you, 
uh, by an imperial officer. Yeah, I wish there was, was like dumb too. I wish it was like had something more to do with like him being like a smuggler or something like that. He got the name, you know, even if it was like a nickname or something that was given to him. Yeah, and you know, there's that whole uh, nominative determinism thing that runs through Star Wars, where characters very much do what their name is yeah yeah it's yeah. like you know your name is baker because your family comes from bakers back in the day right right and, and like maybe that could have been the origin of solo's name a right? line of smugglers a line of smugglers no but like that's but that's my kind of my issue is like han solo isn't yeah he's not like a royal high class person like no. that's just not his i character. do i will i will argue that and with all the whole like mythical source material that lucas draws from the uh the trope of a you know it fits thematically yeah it, there's this there's this trope and i can't remember where it comes from or the exact wording of it but where you have this like street urchin that has this like royal oh yeah heritage yeah 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 you know like the prince and the pauper yeah, kind yeah. of idea right exactly and it, you see it repeated and i can't remember what era it was popular in or what stories he was actually drawing from for this in particular but, but it, isn't isn't that kind of luke already so it's something that repeats multiple times multiple yeah i guess so. so again yeah. it's overused <laughs> but i mean if everyone had you know yeah everyone yeah. has big family names behind them right uh but to be fair like i said that's probably where where lucas was drawing on right or even if lucas had that big of a hand in the the extended universe back uh, yeah i don't know if he had a hand in that yeah that may have just like it just doesn't seem to like add to his character at all right exactly you yeah know, but it, it is what it is yeah Although I do like the family drama he does have with his relatives, with, sure, uh, his aunt and his cousin, who yeah. end up like he's a bad hand solo essentially, right? Yeah, solo who was not a noble noble smuggler. Yeah, um, just some other quick little points that were interesting just in his backstory is just the comparisons of his it would name. Be, it would be a fun. Uh, th- this is what the next Disney uh, Star Wars tale movie should be is a prequel to the to solo a star wars story where uh they go back to corellia and it's like pretty woman for han solo <laughs> where he's like trying to fit in with his uh aristocratic family yes. they should just make a they should just remake american graffiti in space <laughs> <laughs> with harrison ford <laughs> there you go that's the answer to all your I think problems they did it was called star battles <laughs> Was it? I don't, I don't know if that was just really a remake, but I digress. <laughs> what were you saying, Christian? Uh, just on on while we're on Han's name, um, one of his alter egos, Genos Idinian, is an anagram of another Han or Harrison Ford character, Indiana Jones, which was just like oh, a cool yeah. little nod. If you didn't yeah, yeah. also a little Easter egg there. Yeah, yeah. Another sort of George Lucas character. I'm not exactly sure how much creative input lucas had on uh the indiana jones he did have uh but he did have a fair bit i, yeah. th- I think and there are spielberg easter like, eggs between the two and they were yeah. friends and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they collaborated and he's yeah. credited as an executive producer yeah, or something on it even yeah, one of the hieroglyphics is. in uh in one of the indiana jones movies is actually c3po yeah and, yeah uh, yeah rtd2 huh. and um to wit let me let me find my notes here um so there was actually a little bit of a star wars indiana jones crossover where uh the millennium falcon like goes into does some sort of blind hyperspace jump and end up crashing into earth's pacific northwest and uh 
hand dies there, but Chewie lives. And since Wookiees are super long lived, uh, Chewie becomes the basis of the Sasquatch. Of the Sasquatch. <laughs> and then... Uh, where, where is this lifted? This, th- this is from a 10-page non non-canon comic story written by wh blackman <laughs> and um but it get it gets better because indy indiana jones finds the wreckage of, <laughs> the, <laughs> of the millennium falcon oh my goodness that should have been that should have been indiana jones on the crystal skull yeah oh those should have been the aliens he, he encountered Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be terrific That's brilliant yeah that is pretty great so other uh, sort of non-Star Wars tie-ins to Han Solo is like the the space serials, like the Flash Gordons and that kind of thing that we talk about a lot is very much sort of the inspiration for Han. He's this cool, sw- cooler than cool, suave ladies man, gambling, shooting first. Yeah, he's like a bad Always boy. shooting first. <laughs> kind of a bad boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about that for a quick, quick second? <laughs> okay. Just just for anyone I who... I mean, you can't really do a podcast about Han Solo without talking, without talking about, about, about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone who isn't aware of the, uh, the fan divide in the community was when Lucas went back to re-edit A New Hope. Um, he, initially, when the scene when Han Solo is in the bar with Greedo, and, you know, he's being threatened. Han shoots Greedo under the table. He shoots him supposedly, I guess you could say, unprovoked um, as a... Uh, <laughs> just to show off kind of how, like, cutthroat, you know. Didn't Greedo have a gun? He did have a gun pointed at him. At him. So sure. It's, it's not like... But he was talking <laughs> through. It was a preemptive strike. Yeah. <laughs> he was sure. holding a gun on sure, him. Sure, I don't sure. call that uh, <laughs> unprovoked. Unprovoked. <laughs> sure. That's fair. Um, but then when Lucas re-edited it, he didn't like how cutthroat it made Han look. So he decided to have, in terrible CGI fashion, <laughs> Greedo so shoot first, hand do a little head dodge, oh, and then fire back. And and you know, and just go, everyone first, go on YouTube and just watch that scene where Han moves his head. It's so it's awful, amateur. It's so, it's <laughs> it so is. Bad. And the first time I saw Star Wars was actually the special edition. Oh yeah. So to yeah. you, it's so, always. So to me, it's always been. But even as like a six-year-old watching it for the first time. I remember that looking a little out of place yeah, and like, wrong. What did I just see? I'm like, what? Yeah. 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 And then there was a few uh, re-edits back and forth. Uh, I think they had one where they even had like a duel out where like they're firing a couple of times back and forth too, if I recall correctly. There have been a few re-edits. Okay. And, uh, but essentially what it did is divided the fan community as Star Wars often does nowadays. And those who, you know... Since time immemorial, to <laughs> <Yes>. be fair. <laughs> um, but those who who feel at hand it's fine for hand to be a little ruthless right you know it's a character trait of his he's always been this like underworld kind of greasy type character and like you said maybe his his attack wasn't totally unprovoked so it was a little bit of a justified shooting anyways um but then you have i don't know really who argues in favor of greedo shooting first to be be honest with you i don't know if i've ever heard a legitimate argument totally agree other than that's the way it is now because lucas said so yeah it doesn't really make sense why like yeah he's and trying even, to collect a live bounty on right him, exactly so why would he just try and why wouldn't if he was gonna try to kill him why wouldn't he just shoot him as soon as he saw him right exactly why why risk yourself like that so i really don't have a counter although argument. if you get into greedo's backstory he's actually a very incompetent uh, <laughs> bounty hunter and that's like only his his like first or second contract yeah is the one he goes for af- oh, after okay. hand so it's like kind of fits with 
amateurish <laughs> with uh, Greedo's Greedo style. episode forthcoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, the tragic tale, of a <laughs> the noble character Greedo. <laughs> oh boy, um, but yeah, just something I thought I'd bring up. What were you saying there, Sam? Before I went on this huge rabbit trail. Oh, I don't remember. I was talking about Flash Gordon, I guess, yeah. and sort of vamping on things I don't really know very much about because <laughs> I was never into those like old cornball era sci-fi movies. 1960s. They just, I, I don't TV. get any anything from it. I'm into like the, the Paul Porter from that era, but uh, nothing else really. And like some of the spaghetti westerns are good, but uh, I don't feel very nostalgic for it. And especially for the sci-fi stuff because it's really bad it's really rough yeah it's poorly for, acted poorly written for a lot of the audiences that were watching it was groundbreaking know, yeah right? and then you know they were kids in the 1960s so when the 70s came out they're you know te- late teens early 20s so this was nostalgic to them to see star wars even right yeah the first exactly. star wars star wars has always uh preyed upon nostalgia, nostalgia. <laughs> yeah um i just want to touch quickly in universe then on uh han solo how he ends up being a fugitive from all sides. Uh, he's a fugitive in his own underworld environment. He's a fugitive from the government, the empire. And even a couple of times it gets a little rough with the rebellion. Even he always seems to be and making enemies, everywhere different factions within the underworld. Yes. <laughs> too, right? Yeah. It's everyone, like... wherever hand goes, everyone has their guns drawn. And, and again, that would, would be a, another really cool uh, Disney canon solo movie that they didn't do. Is like that story of doing, a, is it Lucky Number Slevin? Or oh, something, yeah, yeah. that movie where there's all those assassins who are after that yeah, one yeah. guy. Like, that would be an awesome <laughs> like Everyone's Star Wars after Han and they're just like because killing each other. everybody is after Han all yeah. the time, right? Yeah, that would make a good story. Even a book. Yeah. I would read that. It would be terrific. Yeah. But just interesting to note, like, Han's... I guess poor luck, and a lot of it you got to admit is part of his own decision yeah, he's making. Gambler, he, he he's, gets himself. He's into doing crazy things. Yes. He's getting in fights with people, and, and then the he academy. burns himself and has to yeah. run from the sector. So by by a new hope, Han is really he, he's kind of a failure <laughs> at life. He's he's like he, a total burnout. Yeah. Dropped out of the academy, fugitive five times over. His only friend is a big hairy person who smells and. Cool. He's only hanging out with him because he has a life debt. He's only hanging out with him because he ha- he's essentially a slave. That's actually one of but the... There, but there also is like elements of there's no, sheer a, luck and with yeah, yeah. yeah. And It's I would, not all unluck, like unlucky. I mean, yes. He, I think it's he gets himself in a situation and then it's luck that bails him out of yeah, situations. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he's... He at, did the Corellian run and whatever <laughs> parts actually. Seven or something. Yeah. But uh, it's almost like the the luck equation balances out yeah, in, yeah, Han, in Han's yeah. life. Like he has so much bad luck, yeah. but so much good luck too that it, he's just sort of luck neutral. <laughs> <laughs> never advances anywhere. Kind of like how the absolute temperature of the known universe is zero degrees Kelvin. When you add up all the cold spots with the, the hot spots, it just averages to nothing. To nothing. Huh. Um, there is also an, a string of nobility that goes through Han. You have to admit, like everything from like saving Chewbacca when he's in the Imperial Academy, when he sees things that he personally violate his own moral code, however gray that code might be, right? Um, he still acts, and he yeah, a- yeah. acts even at, to his own detriment, right? Like he, he yeah. attacks. It's like, is the term like hedonistically moral or something? Like he does good things because he he do- he's just not bad, like and 
because doing bad things feels bad for him that's why right it's not like yeah that might he, be it. he doesn't have like a big overarching moral philosophy he's no not a, yeah. he's not he a just, rebel this fighter. doesn't seem right he's to just me, like this so doesn't gonna, feel right i'm not gonna do that right exactly well, but again t- he, does, he does go out of his way like with chewy but that's because it makes him feel bad that's yeah. the whole point of it yeah that, that's why i'm saying it's not it's that like, he thinks slavery is necessarily wrong it's that he sees this one guy getting beat yeah, and yeah. he says, I, "I don't like that." I don't, and, like and not only that, but he's being commanded to participate in, in that, this, this in that very oppression. terrible right. thing, right? So it's not like yeah, he sets out enough. then to liberate all slaves at all times, yeah. Right? And that's the other thing, like, right? He no... doesn't actually become an abolitionist or, no. or join the rebellion. Yeah, he just right? doesn't want to take part. Which, in... if you were operating under some big overarching moral philosophy, philosophy. that's kind of what you would do yeah. after. Well, that. And but that's his character evolution too, because he goes from this like yeah. self interested smuggler who's just doing it for the money then he kind of feels like that moral pinge that makes him get involved and then once Although even involved, then i would i would argue that his involvement with the rebellion is really more tied to leia than, <laughs> than, <laughs> than the cause he it, just wanted to get laid if you uh if you do read it some of the extra space material, gets lonely <laughs> <laughs> a big hairy wookie is not enough <laughs> yeah, not do it for you um but no there, you can't does, go space gay for another species <laughs> he does uh he does have that air of becoming part of the cause. He does by the end of it. Genuinely, he care. He starts to care. He cares for himself. He cares to his friends and the people he yeah. wants to. And yeah, we'll get into this certainly more in our second part of the hand uh, biography. But he certainly does a lot more altruistic things after Return as he of gets the older. Je- yes. Return of the Jedi, and he gets involved in. Uh, the rebels sort of mopping up the mess the Imperials have made of the galaxy. Yeah, because he he finally starts to believe in in something. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, he may have like uh, selfish motives in the beginning, but he he sort of develops um, uh, like a a feeling of compassion or feeling for whatever the cause is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly when he has kids too, like that's feels like a very sort of true turning point type yeah. kind of character development is that that's when the hand really starts to get soft is is, is when he has the kids right yeah. yeah um there's man i can't wait for the next part of this because we're really going to delve into the disney version of hand versus the uh or we could just not <laughs> i'm sick of talking about the disney canon. we have to it has to be done because these characters yeah, separate podcasts are just based necessary. on disney canon yeah but we'll, we'll save that for for how in part discussion. two yeah. I'm just going to be passive aggressively quiet the whole, <laughs> the whole episode. Good. <laughs> okay. Um, there's also talking about sort of the archetype that Han was. I mean, first there's uh, the obvious space cowboy uh, thing. He's even sort of dressed like a cowboy. Yeah. He's yeah. wearing like those. He has a bit of a swagger. The when he tight walks. spats. Yeah. Spats. He's got a swagger. Yeah. He's got boots. He's got a vest. Yeah. And, and he even has a gun that yeah, sort yeah. of resembles a revolver in a certain way. It has like a holster, like the like a yeah. revolver. Yeah, exactly. that gun is actually based off of a German. It, it, it does also look. Like yeah, the a, gun. A Mauser. Is yeah. it? A, is it is that a Mauser? Yeah. yeah, all the Star Wars guns. We'll do it in a Star Wars technology oh, episode. Oh my god, I'm so excited for yes. those. Okay, we'll save it for that. Discussion, <laughs> um, but. So there, there's that the cowboy archetype, but then there's also sort of in the 70s in American film an evolution of the cowboy archetype where they. It's uh, sort of the stage between cowboys and space, which is truckers. <laughs> naturally, and, of course. Naturally. <laughs> but if you think about it, truckers really are kind of, they fill that same economic space as cowboys kind of did, yeah. where it's like a lucrative job, but it's dangerous. You're away a lot. 
you often get involved in criminal enterprises truckers stopping at cd truck stops. i mean truckers are are great people and uh, our, <laughs> our culture is sort of run on truckers like if we didn't have truckers we would be in a world of hurt and and hope, hopefully truckers them. listen to this podcast yeah. while they're trucking <laughs> <laughs> i hope so my dad who looks a lot like harrison ford is a trucker so i have much love for the truckers but they smuggle a lot of drugs <laughs> and that's essentially what Han was doing and there were a lot of movies in the 70s like Smokey and the Bandit, White Line Fever, Breaker Breaker. It was a really big thing. It was like the 70s is famous for its, you know, insert noun exploitation films like black exploitation and then there was basically trucker exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> there was a rash of that in the 70s and I, I think a lot of Han's character is really sort of based off that and vamping off that theme and that's about all i have to say follow us on instagram facebook patreon twitter twitter become a member of become a patron become a patron and then that will cover your tuition costs for joining the jedi academy and uh you'll find out about that once you sign up to become a patron Mm-hmm. With that, uh, good luck. <laughs> like Han Solo. <laughs> I hope the Force goes alongside you. May everyone be luck neutral. Yeah. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? in the Toshi station to pick up some power converters. I got a bad feeling about this. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to give the show a five-star rating and review, and give us a follow on social media. This episode was produced and edited by me, Jordan Swaim, written and directed by Christian Lutz and Sam Swaim. All original music was scored and recorded by my music project, Farewell to Shadowland. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores Podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, 
as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show.